hope this is the mop up for September 26, 2023. And I am in a really good mood. I'm in a good mood. I'm trying some new software because I updated some computers here and nothing works. So I'm in a fantastic mood. And we had a start, what, uh, 12 hours late today. The commander of Russia's Black Sea Fleet, along with 33 other Russian sailors, has been killed by a Ukrainian missile attack. 105 others were wounded. Ukrainian special forces say they hit Admiral Viktor Sokolov last Wednesday in an attack on the Crimean port of Sebastopol. Crimea belonged to Ukraine up until it was seized by the Russians in 2014. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is now in its 19th month. A tentative deal between the Writers Guild of America and the major studios was struck on Sunday. Members of the Guild have been told to keep on striking in support of SAG-AFTRA. That's the Actors Union. The writers are have been told keep on striking while the union and the studios iron out the finishing touches. Once the deal is finalized, it will be turned over to the 11,500 members of the Writers Guild to vote on whether to ratify. The writers have been on strike since May 2nd. The actors have been out since July 14th. They still don't have a contract. Joe Biden will march with UAW workers in Detroit today. This is the first time in recent memory a sitting U.S. president actually carried a picket sign in solidarity with striking workers. Pretty good. But there is rumbling inside the Democratic Party that Joe Biden is off a step. Now, does he have a record to run on? And the answer is yes. As long as you're not among the 100 million Americans who don't vote. Okay, so we're going to talk about for a second here. Does Joe Biden have a record to to run on? And it's offensive to me to horse race this, but it's important. It's offensive to make the case for Biden over Trump when half this country can't come up with five hundred dollars for a medical emergency. But this is the reality of American politics right now. I'm not talking about social justice. I'm talking about politics. And in order to best understand this, let's listen to Barack Obama talking to young college reporters while he was still president, pointing out the brutal reality of politics. Okay. 40% of the people vote. Okay. i panicked and didn't think this was going to work because it's new software. He said 40% of Americans vote. Okay. Think about that for a second. 40% of Americans vote. So why is that? I'm going to have Barack Obama as president explain. Listen very carefully because this is the answer. You know, I always talk about how disappointed I am with Barack Obama, that he's not marching with the Amazon Labor Union, that he's not marching with the UAW, that he's a neoliberal. All that is true. But when it comes to democracy and moving the moving social justice forward, Here's his explanation for why we're stalled, and it's perfect.
Yeah. Damn it. Let me see if I can go back. All right. Now, this system doesn't work if people opt out. And the easiest cure, the simplest cure for what ails our democracy is everybody voting. Now, it's true that there's some states that purposely make it hard for people to vote. We're the only major democracy in the world that actively makes it hard for people to vote. Uh, and so you should be, particularly as uh, in, in your student newspapers, as you go back to your home states, you should be asking, why is it that we have laws that are purposely making it harder for people to vote, purposely making it harder for young people to vote? And, and there's a political agenda there. The people in power don't want things to change. They want cynicism. Because obviously the existing system is frustrating as it is for everybody else, works for them. Well, if you want to upend that, we got to vote. Well, that's everything you need to know about American politics. I suggest you rewind, rewind that and listen to that again. That's everything you need to know about American politics. We are where we are because 40 percent of Americans vote. 100 million Americans don't vote, partly because of apathy and partly because Republicans make it impossible for college kids, people of color, poor people, homeless people, people in jail to vote. That is the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Republicans do not want you to vote. Last week, Josh Shapiro, the new governor of Pennsylvania, instituted automatic voter registration, which means residents of Pennsylvania can automatically register to vote when they get their photo ID or driver's license. But Republicans don't want that. Trump took to social media and called it unconstitutional. He went after Josh Shapiro. And here is one thing I like about Donald Trump. He's the most honest politician in America. This is what he wrote about the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania instituting automatic voter registration. And you can't be more honest than this. Quote, Pennsylvania is at it again. The radical left governor, Josh Shapiro, has just announced a switch to automatic voter registration, a disaster for the election of Republicans, including your favorite president, me. God bless him. He's he's telling the world, I don't believe in democracy. I believe in suppressing the vote. We can't get elected with the garbage we're selling if everybody gets to vote. He's saying if more people can vote, I lose. Then he ordered Pennsylvania Republicans, quote, start suing now and get the right lawyers this time. <laughs> get the right lawyers this time. Start suing now and get the right lawyers this time. And, you know, who better to criticize your choice in barristers than Donald Trump? Like, you know, Sidney Powell. She's a great lawyer. Why don't you get her? Or maybe John Eastman. He needs work. 
or Rudy Giuliani. Get Rudy Giuliani or who else? Who else uh, did he hire? Come on, you son of a bitch. Don't fail me. Come on. This is what today is going to be like. So you're. All right. We're stuck on Rudy Giuliani and nothing's moving. There you go. <laughs> or Kenneth Cheesebro. Oh, I just I'm going to be on the phone with four different software developers tomorrow. And uh, anyway, yeah, Donald Trump has the best lawyers, Rudy, Jenna Ellis, John Eastman, Sidney Powell. Uh, th- th- those three lost 60, 60 cases challenging the election results in the lead up. Uh, to January 6th. Those are the lawyers Donald Trump used. They lost 60 cases challenging the 2020 presidential election results. So I'm not talking about social justice this morning. I'm talking about politics. And for the 40 percent of Americans who do vote, these are the people who aren't living on the streets, who are who have something resembling health care, a job, food on the table, or at least hope and access to the ballot, I believe for those people, Biden has a record to run on. COVID is under control. Unemployment is at record lows. Inflation is cooling down. Wages are up. And most Americans, it seems, are conflicted. They say they do feel the economy is better. But at the same time, they think Biden is doing a lousy job with our economy. So is it a messaging problem? Do people just not like Joe Biden? I'm voting for him. I don't want to, but I have no choice. Could he do more? Yeah. Could Obama have done more? Yeah. But 40% of Americans vote. They're playing to the 40% of Americans who vote. And that means we end up with Democrats like Joe Manchin in the Senate and a Republican Party that's punching way above its weight class while clearly going insane. A lot of Democrats are now worried that while Biden has a record, he can't sell it. He lacks the acuity, which begs the question, is Joe Biden the best our party can do? It begs the question, is the Democratic Party so frail that it can't afford to have a primary challenge next year? And the answer is yes, the Democratic Party is frail and nobody is more emblematic of the Democratic Party than Joe Biden. He's frail and the Democratic Party is frail. He is the personification of the Democratic Party. Well, the Democratic Party uh, is sclerotic. It's doing things. It's doing a lot better than the Republicans. I mean, we do a lot better economically when the Democrats are in charge. But there's still no guarantee that Joe Biden is going to beat Trump. And whose fault will that be? The dumbest most corrupt human being in American history is running neck and neck with Joe Biden. Whose fault is that? Now, it can't be 
the Republicans' fault. It's partly the fault of 40% of Americans voting, not 60%. Whose fault is that? Well, it's the Republican Party's fault that 60% of Americans don't vote. But try to imagine, and I know this is sacrilege because we're all rooting for Joe Biden, but imagine if somebody comes along that's better. The The Democrats clearly have no one on their bench. Nobody. Bernie isn't going to challenge Biden, but have you heard about Gavin Newsom, the governor of California? Now, he he survived a recall last year, and there is a lot of rumbling inside the Democratic Party that he could be the white knight who steps in should Biden stumble. I have my problems with Gavin Newsom. California was this close to passing universal health care last year in the state of California, and he balked. He let it die in the state Senate. But he is battle-scarred in terms of politics. He's charismatic. He knows how to win. He survived that recall. I've watched this man debate, and he's come into his own. He is incredible. I saw him with Sean Hannity going into the lion's den went into Fox News and whipped Sean Hannity's ass. And to Sean Hannity's credit, Hannity showed a lot of respect to Gavin Newsom. Look, I'm protective of Joe Biden because I'm protective of the Democratic Party. I am. But there is one person who I think will blow the Democratic Party out of the water. I think you're going to be blown away. Everybody should take a look at Gavin Newsom. Now, he's not running. He is not running. He is, however, debating uh, Governor Ron DeSantis on Fox News. It will be November 30th, and I'm often wrong, but I think Gavin Newsom will blow Ron DeSantis out of the water. And why is he debating? Why is he debating uh, Ron? Why is Gavin Newsom debating Ron DeSantis? It's unusual to see something like this. It's a signal. Of course, it's on Fox News, so they're trying to stir up discontent within the Democratic Party. But it's a signal that Gavin Newsom is there just in case Joe Biden can't do it. Uh, Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. 2024. Remember 2020 with the covid and George Floyd and the police Rioting. Remember the police riots of 2020? I don't know what 2024 is going to look like, but Gavin Newsom isn't going away. Now, he's either coming for Biden or he's coming for 2028. Watch him on November 30th and you tell me if he's not the future of the Democratic Party. Again, I don't agree with everything. I'm talking about winning elections And that's a different beast. Why President Obama? Why? 40% of the people vote. 40% of the people vote. I'm working with some really crappy ancient software this morning. It's uh, a miracle that we're doing a show. Meanwhile, and that's why we were late, because I had to learn software from three years ago. I had to spend two hours relearning old software. 
Meanwhile, Speaker Kevin McCarthy has until midnight Saturday to get a continuing resolution out of the House into the Senate and onto Joe Biden's desk to sign before the government runs out of money. And if the government runs out of money, it shuts down. Because Monday was Yom Kippur, not that much happened. There are reports that a continuing resolution might start in the Senate. That's very unusual. And then it will get sent to the House for passage. That's what McConnell and Schumer, it's bipartisan. They don't want the government to shut down. That's the Senate acting like adults. They might get the shell of a continuing resolution passed in the Senate, then move it down to the House. But there's still no guarantee that McCarthy can get the votes. In fact, he can't. He's failing big time. He can get the power. He likes the big office, but he cannot get the votes. McCarthy, for some reason, is ignoring the continuing resolution. On Tuesday, he's later today, he's going to be pretty much signaling, I give up on a stopgap measure to keep the government open. He's still trying to pass major budget bills that have no chance of passing in the House let alone a democratically controlled Senate. What he needs to do right now is keep the government running past Saturday. And no matter what he tries to do, the Freedom Caucus fights him every step of the way because they don't like him. So it's almost as though he's saying, well, if we can't get a continuing resolution and the government's going to shut down at midnight on uh, Saturday, let's do something else. Let's work on budget bills. Well, that's what he's going to do later today. He's working on budget bills. That's the work you do after the continuing resolution has been passed. Now, I've, I've explained this. It's a little deep in the woods, but we should learn this stuff to be better citizens. The budget is basically divided into 12 appropriations bills. Speaker McCarthy is planning to introduce four of those appropriations bills on Tuesday. McCarthy is introducing four. One appropriations bill is for the Pentagon, another is for the Department of Homeland Security, another for the State Department, and another one for the Department of Agriculture. So those are the easiest appropriations bills to pass, but they're not going to pass. It's essentially busy work. He's trying to create the illusion that something, anything is getting done inside the House when, in fact, nothing is getting done because he can't get the continuing resolution passed, which is the only thing that matters. In other words, the House is on fire and Kevin McCarthy is saying, let's remodel the basement. Let's talk about remodeling the basement and then we'll put the fire out. The government is about to shut down. And what are House Republicans doing about it? Tuesday, they will begin hearings into impeaching Joe Biden, which the American people don't want. What the American people do want is the government to stay open. So this is really bad, bad, bad politics for the GOP because they only have a five-seat minority majority in the House. They, uh, they're going to lose the House in a year. 
if all they've got to offer is impeachment proceedings, they're going to lose the House. Uh, Here is former Republican speaker Newt Gingrich talking about Kevin McCarthy's inability to get a continuing resolution passed. This is twice now. Different Republicans have decided to stop the bill from going to the floor. Why? Because each one has their own particular need or their own particular fixation. Now, there are one or two, uh, like Congressman Getz, who I think is, is frankly deranged. Deranged, says the man who served his wife divorce papers while she was dying from cancer. Google that. That was one of the things uh, Newt Gingrich did to either his first, I think his first wife, served her divorce papers while she was dying of cancer. Very uh, impatient. <laughs> why, why do you have to, if your wife is dying of cancer, Newt, can't you have to div- serve her divorce paper? Can't you wait a couple of months, you prick? Uh, go on, Newt Gingrich. Either the House Republicans find a way to talk with themselves, get this sorted out, and pass these things, or you're inevitably going to have some coalition with the Democrats with bigger spending, further to the left, more radical policies. So he's right. And late Monday, there was talk that the odious Problem Solvers Caucus, the the Problem Solvers Caucus, racists, sexists, these are Democrats and Republicans who are basically Republicans, but they call themselves a bipartisan coalition of centrists who are the adults in the room. No, they're right wing D bags. But there is talk late Monday that the problem solvers will file what is called a discharge petition where a coalition of Democrats and Republicans will vote, sign a petition and then bypass the wishes of the speaker in order to bring their own continuing resolution to the floor of the House to vote on. It's called a discharge petition. In other words, the bill wouldn't go through. If it's a discharge petition, it's a parliamentary term. The bill doesn't go through committee. It won't be marked up or approved by McCarthy. Through a discharge petition, Democrats and Republicans are basically, if this happens, they're signing on to basically a thumbs up or a thumbs down vote on the continuing resolution. Now, McCarthy is attempting to pass his continuing resolution through committee, marking it up along party lines, knowing that the Democrats are all going to vote no on this. But he only has a five vote majority, which means the Freedom Caucus can derail it and they are derailing it. So he needs the Democrats to help him. And that's where the problem solvers are solving a problem. The the thinking is this discharge uh, petition would bring more Republicans and Democrats in to vote for a continuing resolution that would keep the government open as well as humiliate Kevin McCarthy, which is really what a lot of this is about. So there is a possibility that Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, Democrat, Mitch McConnell, 
Senate Minority Leader Republican, are going to put together a shell of a continuing resolution that would keep the government running for 30 more days. Remember, we the, the fiscal year for the government starts October 1st. No budget, no money, no government. They shut down. So they want to pass a 30-day stopgap measure. It's called a continuing resolution just to keep the government funded for 30 days. I guess what is going to happen, perhaps, and we'll know later today, something will come out of the Senate that McConnell and Schumer are happy with. And then I'm going to assume I'm going to assume that the people from the problem solvers caucus will go into the House and present what Mitch McConnell and Schumer want. Maybe, I mean, it wouldn't be if you want to keep the government open, it's bipartisan and you humiliate, you humiliate Kevin McCarthy, which is what everybody wants to do. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene talking with her boyfriend. This is her boyfriend. He hosts some show on RSBN. It's some cable, I think, is it Newsmax or OWN? It's some right-wing network, and she's always on it. And reports are she's dating this guy, who, by appearance, used to be cute, but he's drinking himself silly. Uh, I think he, he looks very parched. Um, anyway, this is her new boyfriend. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who Kevin McCarthy thought he could buy off with choice committee assignments, but she, like many hard-right Republicans, she wants the government shut down just for the sake of shutting it down. But if you... If they- ah, we'll try it again. Uh, I almost didn't do a show today. I figured better to do a show... I mean, my father used to say 99% of life is not showing up. He said, you show up, somebody's going to punch you, stay home. But somebody told me he was wrong. Let's see. Oh, you. Hi. I hate my life. Can we do this or not? Okay, that was Newt. Now, we're, let's just watch. This is actually very entertaining to see a baby boomer in, uh, in a state of rage. Okay, Marjorie Taylor Greene, do you want the government shut down? Come on. Uh, well, we may not be able to do a show. This is really pissing me off. Uh, but this must be entertaining, right? To, to watch me in this. Did. Uh, let's see if we can go back. Maybe we just can't play videos. OK. Marjorie Taylor Greene. But if, you, if, the, if the government shuts down, let's just be truthful. We're not going to miss it. It's already in, it's already over overexposed anyway. 
Well, that's how the American people feel. The people that are affected are federal government employees, but the American people don't miss a beat in their jobs. That's the reality. So she doesn't care. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm in such a rage and her voice is so grating. Uh, I could anyway, uh, let's see if we can play her next clip. I, for one, have drawn my red lines. I'm not voting for COVID anything. I'm not voting for for Biden's weaponized special counsels. I'm not voting for Ukraine. Okay. Uh, Not worth the wait. (laughs) This is we will get this up and running tomorrow. I promise you. Uh, But I hope you're enjoying the self-loathing, the 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 my fatalistic I mean, I'm just in such a rage right now. Uh, So Marjorie won't budge and either will the uh, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. He's a Democrat and he's from. Did I mention he's from New Jersey? He was indicted last Friday for accepting bribes from three businessmen and the Egyptian government. The FBI searched the senator's. Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey home. And in his closet, they found hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and gold bullion stuffed inside his coat pockets. On Monday, Senator Menendez had what I think is a reasonable explanation for why he keeps hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash in his closet. This is- For 30 years... I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies. For emergencies. He takes money out of his bank account and transfers it into his bedroom closet for emergencies. I wonder what kind of interest his closet pays. It's got to be better what the banks pay these days. See, this is the problem with interest rates not being high enough. Why put money in a savings account when you can get a much better return when you put it inside a coat or a pocket, you know, in your closet? I hear coats inside closets are paying eight, eight, 10, 12 percent a year. Please continue. Senator Menendez. Now, this may seem old fashioned. No, it doesn't seem old fashioned. Corrupt. Yes. Old fashioned. Absolutely. Absolutely not. So there's like a three second. This is the way this is the way it works. There's a three second delay when I hit the button to play the video. It takes you got to count to three. So there's a three second delay here. And if I could time it, I would hit the button. I'm going to try to time this now. Uh, on this next one. Okay, let me see if I can do it. But you know who I want to hear from on all this? Congressman George Santos. Here is George Santos asked on Monday if Senator Menendez should resign. Do you think Senator Menendez should resign, given his opinion? I don't have an opinion on that. Why not? Because I think uh, due process uh, is important, and I think he has the right to defend himself. He's innocent until proven guilty. This, the media has to stop 
acting like everybody is guilty at, uh, before they're even ju judged at, by a jury. So, no, I, I think everybody is innocent until proven guilty. When, when did we walk away from the fabric of our Constitution that everybody has a presumption of innocence before anything else? So I don't, I don't think he should resign. Okay. I wasn't going to do a show. It, it, nothing worked. And I thought, you know what? Just... But then I had these clips of George Santos and I thought, no, I have to do because this is this is amazing. This clip is amazing. He is such a compulsive liar. I love him. Nothing can come out of his mouth unless it's a lie. Listen now. He's asked if Menendez should resign and he says I don't have an opinion on that. Okay. I don't have an opinion on that. And then he adds. I don't think he should resign. I don't think he should resign. Right? I don't have opinion on that. And then he says, I don't think he should resign. That sounds like he has an opinion. He can't help himself but lie. So you lied when you said. Come on. This is why I did the I show. I don't have an opinion on that. I don't have an opinion on that. He lied. But he did have an opinion on that. George Santos never stops lying. Come on. Do you think Senator Menendez should resign? Right. And he says. I don't think he should resign. I don't think he should resign. All right. That's why I did today's show. And I'm putting myself through this. This is. All right. Uh, is this coming up? Mm, come on. Come on. Oh, you bastard. We're not going to see that. All right. The hell with it. Uh, 600,000 citizens of North Carolina. Oh, now we're going to see it. Hang on. I'm really sorry about this. I'll hit the button. And it's not working. Well, 600,000 citizens of North Carolina don't have access to health care because the Republican-controlled legislature has refused to accept Medicaid expansion under Obamacare. Now, one of the components to Obamacare was the federal government handing billions of dollars in block grants each year to individual states in order for them to administer Medicaid, which is free. Medicaid is health care for Americans who don't earn enough to buy their own health insurance. So we have two programs that were set up by Lyndon Johnson in the late 60s, Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare is for grandma and grandpa, people over the age of 65. And it's free. It's not health insurance. It's the government paying the doctors for you. Although the health insurance companies are worming their way into Medicare, and we have to stop that. Medicaid was set up so that people who can't pay for their health insurance would get assistance from the government. But in order for it to be passed by the uh, the Senate and the House, they 
agree to do block grants and give the money to individual states to administer Medicaid so that gov the federal government wouldn't get so big. It was a compromise, right? Republicans want a small federal government. So what Obamacare did was it had something called Medicaid expansion, and it was supposed to be mandatory for all 50 states, but the Supreme Court said, no, you cannot force the states to take these block grants. I don't understand why a state would not want to take a billion dollars, two billion dollars a year from the federal government to help people who can't pay for their health insurance get health insurance. That is what Medicaid expansion means. That's what Obamacare did in 2010 when it started. Medicaid expansion is increasing the amount of money going to states who accept Medicaid expansion. But a lot of states, red states, didn't accept the Medicaid expansion. It's, uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Medicaid expansion has worked incredibly well in places like New York and California. And there are millions of Americans right now who, thanks to Obamacare, thanks to Medicaid expansion, they are now getting access to incredible health care through Medicaid. It can be done so long as you know how to work the system. You got to still be able to work the system. Uh, some states, as I said, have resisted. The red states have resisted Medicaid expansion at a principle. North Carolina was one of those states. It was controlled by Republicans who said, and this is the truth. We'd rather 600,000 of our residents of North Carolina go without health care than take money from Obamacare. I find this fascinating we have a health care crisis, especially in the rural South. Obama and Obamacare said to these states, here are billions to help your citizens get free health care. And standing on principle, these Republican governors and legislatures said, no, we don't want it. It's tyranny. Hmm, tell that to somebody whose kid is dying from cancer tyranny. Uh, I don't understand it, but there is some good news. North Carolina's Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, was able to pass and sign a budget that will bring North Carolina into the 21st century. Here, I hope, is Democratic Governor Roy Cooper from North Carolina on Monday making the big announcement. Beginning December the 1st of this year, North Carolina will expand Medicaid. And on that day, we should have our first enrollees. Okay, now, Governor Cooper, why? Why would you go and do something like that? Since my very first day as governor, getting help to people who need it by expanding Medicaid has been a top priority. Oh, I get it. I get it. He's a Christian. I hear countless stories from everyday people, many who earn a living working two or more jobs 
to make ends meet. But it isn't enough to afford health care. They're doing everything right, but they still can't get ahead and can't feel secure without worrying that a bad sickness or an accident could bankrupt them. I talk with workers straining every day to keep our economy going while suffering through pain or illness that they cannot afford to treat. This is the problem with Democrats like Governor Cooper. They're knee-jerk Jesus worshipers. I meet with parents who watch adult children fall to opioid addiction, unable to afford health care that could save them. Yeah, this is another devout disciple of Christ delivering what he promises. Well, uh, yeah, talking about opiate addictions, uh, that's not you don't want to do Medicaid expansion to handle opiate addiction. You, you want to spend money on prisons and police. That's how you solve the opiate crisis. I'm telling you. These uh, generous I mean, with parents who watch a- these generous Christians are going to be the death of us. Yeah, I like Republican Christians because they uh, they want everybody to die and then we don't have to pay taxes. It's cheaper to be that kind of Christian. Well, he, this guy you're going to love. His name is Tim Gurner. I you know, I like this guy, Tim Gurner. He's everything I wish I I were. He's young. He's almost a billionaire. He's Australian and he made his fortune building high end luxury homes. And he knows what the people of North Carolina need. And it ain't Medicaid expansion. Here is Tim Gurner. You're going to love him. Here he is speaking last week at the Financial Review Property Summit. And he's speaking common sense, not your pie-in-the-sky Medicaid expansion. I think the problem that we've had is that we've, you know, we we have people decided they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID, and that has had a massive issue on productivity. You know, tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity. You know, they they have been paid, paid a lot to do not too much in the last few years. And we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40, 50%, in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer, not the other way around. I mean, there is a, there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them, um, as opposed to the other way around. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude and that has to come through hurting the economy, which is what the whole global, you know, the, the world is trying to do. The governments around the world are trying to increase unemployment to get that to some sort of normality. And we're seeing it. I think every employer now is seeing it. I mean, there is definitely massive layoffs going off. People might not be talking about it, but people are definitely laying people off. And we're starting to see less arrogance in the employment market. And that has to continue because that will cascade across the cost balance. What a great guy. Your parents must be so proud of you, Tim Gurner. Now, that was a lot to, to digest for a, a simple man like me. Uh, you're, you know, you're so young and smart, and uh, I don't understand a lot of this. So in order to make the economy work, what do we need to do? We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40, 50 percent, in my view. 
I see. So unemployment has to increase by 50%. Okay. I like the way you're thinking. Please continue. We need to see pain in the economy. Yes, we need to see pain in the economy. I think you need to see pain in your bowel movements. I think you need square-shaped, rock-solid dumps. That's what I pray that you have every morning. Square-shaped, rock-solid dumps. And no amount of stool softener will help. That's the kind of pain I want in your intestinal economy. Please continue. There's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them, um, as opposed to the other way around. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude, and that has to come through hurting the economy. Mm, pain in the economy. Hurt. Hurting the economy. Why do I have a feeling this guy spends his Saturday nights chained to an executioner's rack with a ball gag in his mouth, getting gang pegged by a team of female sumo wrestlers? Uh, through the pr power of prayer, let's uh, wish bad things on that guy. We need to see pain in the economy. Yeah, yeah. Well, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, would you like to respond? I've had a child care worker with a sick husband show me a letter telling them their Medicaid insurance has been canceled when it wouldn't have been had expansion been in effect. See, this is how sick people like Tim Gurner are. They want employees to be desperate, like childcare workers, right? The people who raise your babies, who feed you. He wants these people not to have health care. And they're in his house. They're touching his food, his children, breathing on him. You see the disconnect here? It's not just evil. It's stupid. And then again, evil and stupid are, in my estimation, synonymous. I think in order to be evil and godless, you have to be as stupid as Tim Gurner, who is uh, a young, up-and-coming Australian douchebag. And I will give you the last word, Tim Gurner. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40, 50 percent, in my view. Mm, anyway, OK. Well, people need to be out of work. That, that's uh, that's the solution. South Carolina is a red state. And Nikki Haley and uh, uh, Tim Scott are both from there. And Nikki Haley, when she was governor, also refused Medicaid expansion. Did you know that she was governor of South Carolina and uh, she refused to expand Medicaid? 351,000 of her constituents uh, could have had health coverage, but she didn't allow that because she's a mother and a wife. That's how she's running for president. I'm a mother and a wife. And I denied 
351,000 of my constituents' health care because I'm a mother and I'm a wife. Anyway, South Carolina is third after Iowa and New Hampshire in the road to the Republican nomination. And former President Donald Trump paid a visit on Monday and there to greet him at the airport was Marjorie Taylor Greene. I've been with President Trump from day one and I always will be. Yes, just like you were always with your husband and you always would be and you were with those personal trainers at the Georgia strip mall gym who you allegedly cucked your husband with. You were loyal to all of them as well. What advice do you have for the other candidates? Every single candidate should drop out, apologize, and they should endorse President Trump. Yes, apologize to Trump, not just drop out, but apologize to this man. Well, before the big speech, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene took Donald Trump to a South Carolina gun store where he was presented with a Glock that had his face on it. And uh, now Trump, Mr. NRA, if you listen carefully, doesn't know what a Glock is. That's a Glock. Oh, Glock, Glock actually did that. And uh, these, these are actually great sellers for us. We sell with the picture? We do. It comes exactly like this from Glock. And they sell well. They like me. Sir, if you want one, this one. I want to buy one. I want to buy one. I want to buy one. And I guess he did because uh, that's what Steve Chung, his spokesman, tweeted out. He tweeted out, President Trump purchases a Glock in South Carolina. But Steve immediately deleted the tweet because Donald Trump is facing 90 criminal counts in four separate trials. Turns out here in America, we still, I know this is hard to believe, we still don't allow people facing criminal trial to purchase guns. Imagine that. He can't buy a gun. Not that he would know what to do with one. He didn't know that was a Glock. Well, the president was in South Carolina and he addressed the bad people of South Carolina by introducing his good friend, South Carolina's favorite son, Lindsey Graham. Another man who's always there. He's always, I'll tell you what, when I need help on the left, he's great. He's great. And he's my friend too. Lindsey Graham, wherever you are, Lindsey. Thank you. Oh, no, no. He helps me on the left. We need help sometimes. They were booing Lindsay. He helps me on the left. He helps me on the left. Yeah, when you're measuring your inseam and the tailor needs to check how you dress. So Lindsay gets down on all fours and feels around and says, on the left, he dresses to the left. This is incredible. Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, said on Monday, if Donald Trump gets the GOP nomination, he would endorse him. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, we reported about Christy Nome and Corey Lewandowski reportedly having an affair, even though Christy Nome is uh, a good Christian Republican who Donald Trump 
was going to make his vice president, perhaps. Uh, Corey Lewandowski is very interesting. A GOP donor is now demanding $100,000 back because he hired Corey Lewandowski to uh, advise him. Uh, Trishel Odom is the wife of the donor, and she accuses Corey Lewandowski of sexually assaulting her. This is from People magazine. In a statement to Politico, Trishel Odom said that Lewandowski repeatedly touched me inappropriately, said vile and disgusting things to me, stalked me and made me feel violated and fearful throughout a charity event held September 26th in Las Vegas. That would be last year. An attorney for Odom said that Lewandowski followed her out of the room where the event was held, made remarks about her body, and later threw his drink at her and called her stupid. We're also getting reports that Matt Gates sexually groped Cassidy Hutchinson. That was uh, revealed, I believe, on the Rachel Maddow show Monday night. This is what they do. Uh, Corey Lewandowski still advising Donald Trump. Look at all those headlines of sexual assault. Look at that. Lewandowski cast out a Trump operation after allegation of unwanted sexual advances. Singer Joey Villa said she wants justice uh, in, after sexual allegation against Corey Lewandowski. And he's still advising Trump. Isn't that amazing? All right. I may wrap it up. On Monday, Donald Trump said if he's elected, he's going to pretty much shut down NBC and MSNBC. This is what he said on social media. Comcast, with its one side and vicious coverage by NBC News, and in particular MSNBC, should be investigated for its country-threatening treason. Country-threatening treason. Sounds like something you could buy at the Cracker Barrel, doesn't it? Wow, that is some delicious country-threatening treason. He's also going after General Mark Milley. Mark Milley was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This week is his last, uh, I think Monday was his last day on the job as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And Donald Trump went after him. He's very mad at Mark Milley. And I would show you what he said If there we go, this is what Donald Trump said about Mark Milley. This guy turned out to be a woke train wreck who, if the fake news reporting is correct, was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the president of the United States. Yeah, according to Bob Woodward's book, Mark Milley in the lead up to January 6th and after called China and said, If there's going to be a war, you'll know. Uh, And that upset Donald Trump. Not as much as me not being able to do the show the way I want to do it. Here we go. This is an act so egregious. He's talking about Mark Milley. This is an act so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death. A war between China and the United States could have been the result of this treasonous act to be continued. So he's essentially calling 
you know, through stochastic terrorism for the for somebody to come after General Mark Milley. Paul Gosar also kind of demanded that General Mark Milley be executed. Paul Gosar is a dentist who's also a Congress person from Arizona. He's a whack job. His entire family has stopped talking to him. And he was part of the Green Bay sweep. If you remember, we talked about this at 1 p.m. on January 6th, Paul Gosar and Ted Cruz initiated the Green Bay sweep. Paul Gosar challenged the state of Arizona's election results. You need a senator to back you up. And Ted Cruz agreed to it. And they were going to tie up the the certification for days. That was part of the Green Bay sweep. But then Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump told everybody to storm the Capitol and they ruined your Green Bay sweep, Ted Cruz. What do you have to say? Frankly, they can kiss my ass. Yeah. Okay. Running out of steam here. I'm just going to plow through this stuff. This is what uh, Paul Gosar said about General Mark Milley. After the riot was in full swing, the chief's request for National Guard was finally approved. But even after approval was given, General Milley, the homosexual promoting BLM activist chairman of the military joint chiefs, delayed. Of course, we now know that the deviant Milley was coordinating with Nancy Pelosi to hurt President Trump and treasonously working behind Trump's back. So this is like QAnon shit. And this is a United States congressman who Ted Cruz was working with on the Green Bay sweep. This is a United States congressman in a better society. Quislings like the strange sodomy promoting <laughs> General Milley would be hung. He had one boss, President Trump, and instead he was secretly meeting with Pelosi and coordinating with her to hurt Trump. That is when he wasn't also secretly coordinating and sharing intelligence with the Chinese military. How this traitor remains in office is a question we need answered. This is QAnon stuff. Yeah, that's Donald Trump's new outfit. That's uh, how he's dressing these days. So who's who's a meaner man? Is it Vivek Ramaswamy or is it Ron DeSantis? Because they're trying to out Trump Trump. And the, the way to out Trump Trump is to be more sadistic. Who is the more sadistic person? Is it the grim Rama Reaper? Uh, Viva Ramaswamy? Or is it Ron DeSantis? Well, here is Vivek Ramaswamy. On Monday, on Larry Kudlow's Fox News show, trying to out-Trump DeSantis. We can help you, Mexico, regain your sovereignty from the Mexican drug cartels who are spilling over into our own homeland here. But if you don't do it, then we will come in and get the job done ourselves. Because the fact of the matter is, it's like if you have a neighbor who has a dog that comes over to your yard and keeps biting your family members repeatedly. If they keep repeatedly doing that, at some point, you can take a shotgun and shoot that dog. That's legitimate, legal, morally, ethically justified. And I think the same thing applies to a country to our south that has lost its sovereignty. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, in terms of trying to prove that you're 
as cruel as Donald Trump, comparing Mexico to a sick dog or a barking dog. Although if you were my neighbor, I'd expect my dog to run over and bark and bite. But comparing Mexico to an angry, rabid dog that you want to shoot, that's pretty Trumpian. Let's find out what the Marquis DeSantis, what he has to say. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their and the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. Mic drop. Much I, I think that. DeSantis still out cruels Vivek Ramaswamy. This is Vivek Ramaswamy's new logo. What do you think of it, Ron DeSantis? What do you think of his new logo? Duty. Yes. Okay. And that's what this show was. <laughs> Duty. I, uh, well, now you know what a, Okay, this is the tech stuff was just a nightmare today. I'm David Feldman. I wish I could give you some inspirational message about showing up and, you know, getting into the arena and fighting. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But uh, all I can tell you is if you step up all the time, sometimes you lose Sometimes you lose. That seems to be the story of my life. But uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.